Welcome to the podcast arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. So it's our month of supernatural lifting, and we're going to continue that conversation talking about supernatural lifting. But in today's Bible study, we're going to examine supernatural lifting in the life of Joseph. So we're going to do a lot of reading. Um, If I can have the mics go around, that would be great so that we have different people read for us. So we're examining the life of Joseph, and our topic for today is supernatural lifting. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis 37. Genesis 37. How many people are not familiar with the story of Joseph? If you're not familiar with it, let me see your hands. Okay. That's good. Very few hands. At least most of us are familiar with the story. Okay, I'll get someone to read Genesis chapter 37. I want someone to read from verse 1 to 11, and if we can read from NLT, that would be good. Genesis chapter 37 from verse 1 to 11. So we're going to start with the very beginning, talking about Joseph. Who wants to help us? Who wants to help? Who wants to? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. That, that works too. Jacob continued to live in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived. And this is the story of Jacob's family. Joseph, a young man of 17, took care of the sheep and goats with his brothers, the son of Belia and Sephir, his father's concubine. He he brought bad report to his father about what his brother were doing. Joseph loved, Jacob loved Joseph more than all his other sons because he had been born to him when he was old. He made a long robe with full sleeves for him. When his brother saw what that their father loved Joseph more than he loved them, they hated their brother so much that they would not speak to him in a friendly manner. One time, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. He said, listen to the dream I had. We were all in the field tying off sleeves of wheat. When my sheriff got up and stood up straight, you formed a circle around me and bowed down to me. Do you think you are going to be a king and rule over us? His brother asked. So they did hate him even more because of his dream and because of what he said about them. Then Joseph had another dream and told his brothers, I had another dream in which I saw the sun, the moon, and and 11 stars bow down to me. He also told the dream to his father, and his father scolded him. What kind of a dream is that? Do you think that your mother, your brothers, and I are going to come and bow down to you? Joseph's brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept thinking about the whole matter. Thank you so much. So this is a story of Joseph, and this is how he got his dreams. So Joseph had two dreams, and in both of the dreams, the interpretation was that his parents and his brothers were bowing down to him, and um, the brothers were jealous of that, but the father kept it to heart. Now, we're talking about supernatural lifting, and I want to ask this question because I think it was mentioned on Sunday. When God wants to lift a man, what does he do to you? When God wants to lift you up, what are the first, very first things that in his interactions with you, what happens when he wants to lift you up? Yes, sir. God changes our perspective. He changes our perspective. Thank you so much, sir. Any other person? When God wants to lift a man, what does he do to the man? 
Yes. He sends you his word. He sends you his word. Thank you. He sends you his word. Yes. Do you have your hands up? Yeah, go ahead. She's going to give you the mic. He tests you. He tests you. Thank you. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So when every time God wants to lift somebody, he comes to you, and God would introduce that, um, that lifting to you. So it's either he'll give you a word, he'll give you, he can drop a thought into your mind, he can give you a dream like he gave to Joseph, he will give you something. He would give you something so that you can give him permission to walk with him. So on earth, God cannot just invade our lives and just, you know, lift us from one place to another. So he would definitely come to you and he will send you a word. However, he chooses to send that word. He will send you a word. He will give you, sometimes it can just be an inspired thought. It'll just be that something is dropped in your heart and you sense that this is what God wants you to do, right? This is where God wants you to head towards. So there are different ways that God communicates towards the things that he desires. The, the Bible says that one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is that he shows us what things to come. So God has this way of showing you what's in your future so that you can partner with him to allow that future to be made manifest in your life. My first question today is that now we know that God does all of this things, he'll come to us, is what usually hinders us from receiving the dreams and the lifting that God wants to do in our lives, especially when it comes to us as a thought or as a dream? What is, what is one of the greatest hindrance when you have this great thought that, oh, I should do this thing, but you never follow through? What hinders us the most? Yes, sir. Our minds. Our minds. In what way? How does your mind hinder you? Yeah, because you might not be able to see what God is saying, and you might look at your current situation and say, it's not even possible mm -hmm. that this can happen to me. But God sees beyond that. Thank you so much. So you can be hindered by your mind because you don't think it is what possible. Any other person? Yes. Yeah, lack of faith. Lack of faith. How does that hinder you? Uh, unbelief, like God is giving you a word. This is this is a picture of where I'm taking you to and what I want you to do. And the fact that that thing is bigger than you, it seems like it's bigger than you. you there is unbelief. You don't receive it because it's too big. Thank you. Thank you so much. Any other person? Yes, precious. Oh, there are two preciouses. Okay, one and one. Okay, let's. I'll take you first. Go ahead. Doubt and fear can doubt and fear can, can hinder you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Doubt and fear. Yes, precious. You wanted to say fear. Fear. How about low self-esteem? You know that God comes to you, but you don't feel qualified to do what He wants you to do. So there's also what low self-esteem. There's fear. There's doubt. There's self-sabotage, condemnation. Yes. Unbelief. Thank you. So there is condemnation. You know, there are some people that your past continues to haunt them, that even when God wants to take you to a new place, is that you keep telling yourself, but I've done this. I've done that. I've sinned too much that I don't think I am worthy of this words, of this lifting. And so we abort that process. We don't even... We don't even receive it. Why? Because of our past. So it's important that we pay attention, that we pay attention to the thoughts that God brings into our hearts. Pay attention to the lifting he wants to bring into us so that we don't, we don't abort that process. Now, if we look at the life of Peter, Peter denied what? Peter denied Jesus, right? And then Jesus came to him and still called him to be his disciple. What kind of insecurities do you think Peter would have dealt with? What kind of thoughts would have been going through his mind when Jesus still came back to him? If you were Peter, what would go through your mind? Guilt? Yes. What else would go through your mind? Unqualified. Unqualified. Like, yes, I will feel that is... I deny this guy, what qualifies me to now be the, the, the head of the apostles even? What qualifies me to keep following you when I am the one that they were? Even after confessing, Jesus, I would die with you. Then of all the people, I denied you. And then I still left. I still went fishing. 
but Jesus still came. So you see that even with the apostles, they had certain insecurities in them that they also had to press past in order for them to receive that which God was giving to them. What, what do you think Paul would have faced? Some of the things that Paul would have, some of his insecurities. Discrimination, how, how would that have affected him? Because at first it was Saul, so he was killing you know, um, the people of God before mm -hmm. he was converted to being a Christian. So him facing you know, the children of God to preach the gospel to them, they probably face, oh, you that did this. Mm -hmm. His past, I was just saying his past, discrimination among believers and... Thank you so much. And that's true. So we see that with every single person, everybody has to overcome something to receive that new. Because when God comes, he wants to give us exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine. Now we're going to go into the story. So Joseph had this dream and Joseph received his dream so well that his brothers were even angry. The guy believed it. He believed that they will bow to him. And these people were not having it. Now, if we read down into the story, is that Joseph was then sold into what, slavery. So his brothers did not like him. If we're reading from verse 18, we don't have the time to read every single one of them. But his brothers didn't like him. They wanted to kill him. But then Reuben said, don't kill him so that we don't have blood on our hands. So they threw Joseph into a pit. And when he was there in the pit, lo and behold, in the same time, they saw these um, Egyptians, right, coming. So these people, the Midianite traders were coming. So they decided, ah, why keep him in the pits when we can make some money? So they decided to sell Joseph to who? The Midianites. Now, they sold him, and then Joseph landed in the house of Potiphar in where? Egypt. You can imagine as a 17-year-old boy what would have been going through his mind in that time. And then the brothers went back and told the father that Joseph was what? Dead. So they took his coat, they killed an animal, put blood on it, and then told his father that Joseph was dead. While Joseph found himself in Potiphar's house. Now we know the story of Joseph, how God took him on this journey. And we're going to examine that, how God took him on the journey. But let's talk about this Potiphar's house. Why did God allow Joseph to go to Potiphar's house? What was his intent? What was God's intention? So we know that Joseph went to Potiphar's house, then he went to the prison, and then he was, he was lifted. He experienced supernatural lifting. What was the point? Why did, let's talk about Pharaoh's house. Why, Potiphar's house. Why did he allow him go to Potiphar's house? What did God intend for him? Yes, miracle. To train him and develop his character. To train him and develop his character. Thank you so much. Yes, precious. I would say leadership. Leadership in what? So he wanted to? He wanted to teach him how to be a leader. Because in Potiphar's house, he was the head of so many things. And so Joseph being who he's going to be at the end of his life, being mm -hmm. a leader, eventually he became the prime minister. I mm -hmm. guess. So God wanted to teach him all of that. Thank you so much. And I totally agree with that, is that God was very intentional in Joseph's life and journey. Now, when we talk about supernatural lifting, it's important to note that God cannot lift you to a position he has not trained you for right? For him to lift you to a certain position, he must train you so that you have the what? The capacity to function in that position before he takes you there. So they are both right that, that God's intent was to have Joseph trained in Potiphar's house. There are certain things that he needed to acquire. And so God took him through that channel to train him. So it is important that we allow God to train us even as we trust him for supernatural lifting. It is important that we're trained because we need the capacity, that capacity in order to fulfill the assignment. Now let's look about, let's talk about some of the areas in which Joseph was trained when he was in Potiphar's house. Um, Precious has mentioned one and she talked about leadership. Can we turn to Genesis chapter 39? Genesis 39, I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 7, or verse 6, and I'm reading NLT. 
When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So soon he made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about eating except what kind of food to eat. Think about that on your resume. He didn't have to worry about anything. Yes, ma. Yes, ma. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want, to, I want to ask that, how do we differentiate between a training that God is putting us through a training or we are just being afflicted? Because I know that Joseph will not be praying, dear God, let me, let me go through this training. He will be praying for deliverance. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we'll be praying for deliverance so that, so that each time we mm. know the kind of prayer to pray. Yes. So how do we differentiate the two? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Ma. Who wants to answer the question? How do you differentiate between the training season or a season of affliction? Because sometimes they look alike. Ah, nobody. Okay, Precious wants to try. How do you differentiate? I'll just, I'll try. So just looking at the life of Joseph. Joseph already had a dream. That means God already spoke to him. And with, even though at the time he might not really understand what the dream was, but having his brother worship him, his parents and all of this, already showing that it was going to be in a place of um, leadership, mm -hmm. right? So he already has that, had the understanding that that was going to happen. Now whatever happened in Potiphar's house, um, if he was not discerning, he wouldn't know that this was where God was taking him. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm just thinking, um, if we are going to be able to differentiate between when we are being afflicted, is that the question? Yes, yeah, and, afflicted and, and, and when God is taking us through it. Yes, yes. What is your relationship with God? What have you heard from God? What are you holding on to? And that probably will help. I'm, I'm just... Thank you. So that the dream plays a role. So he had something he was holding on to, right, in expectation. Okay. Thank you so much. Any, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Um, really, it's hard to differentiate, but when God is training you, there, you will find peace within you. Though you may be going through troubles, mm. but there is something inside of you that is giving you assurance. Okay. Uh, if you look, if we look at the life of Joseph, when he was in the Potiphar's house, he was made leader. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was from inside of him, he was being fulfilled. Though he didn't understand what God was planning. Mm. But that state that he was, he was a leader. Despite the fact, the fact that he was a slave, he was like the leader of the other slaves. So, and the master trusted him so much to the extent that he committed everything to him, just like he was the manager of Potiphar's house. Then in the prison also, he was also like a master to everyone in that place. So the difference is that when God is taking you through anything, there is a, a peace, a sense of peace. Though you may be going through difficulties, but it's deep inside of you there is peace. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to say that just like some people have said, uh, it's hard to tell. And personally, I feel Joseph didn't see the whole story until the end. Mm -hmm. 
it was later after everything played out that that's when you now said, oh, okay, what you meant for evil, mm. God turned it for my good. Mm. When he was in prison, if he felt like he was in the right place, he would not be telling the butler, please, when you get there, remember me. Mm. I, I think if he felt that this is where God wanted him to be, he would just stay in the prison, he won't say, remember me, speak good things about me. Mm. So I feel that at the end of the day, either going through trials or you need deliverance or anything at the end of the day i believe that god can still turn either or yeah. you know in favor mm. for us so i think for me the way i see it is what am i doing in that in the midst of it mm. right in the midst of it well, how am i relating with god mm -hmm. and then at the same time i can also ask god mm. what's going on what's going on thank you so much yes sir praise god Hallelujah. First thing we have to understand that training itself is not fun. It all depends. Yeah. Training is not fun. That's it could true. be tough. Um, that's number one. Number two, Joseph needed to be taught some lesson. What was he doing when his brothers were going to the farm? He was at home with, with his father. Father, exactly. Because he had a dream. <laughs> he needed to be thrown into the pit so that I can look up. <laughs> He needed some training of, no, jokes apart. Okay. Joseph, the size of his dream mm. needed some level of training. Okay. So sometimes when you have a higher calling, mm. the kind of discipline, the kind of training you'll be subjected to will not be compared to somebody whose destination is not, uh, you know, I know when we're in school then, engineering students, we read, only God knows how many hours. Mm. In fact, I had, a, I, had a course, I had a roommate that was doing sociology. I knew nothing about sociology. He was having problem with a course. He gave me, I read it two hours. I taught him, he passed the course. So I'm not saying all other uh, courses are not as challenging, but you know when you are an engineering student and when you are doing other courses, medical students, why do those that are doing medicine, why do they have to go to? Um, clinicals, they have to do this. Why somebody that read accounting four years is true is working, and the guy is still doing medical courses. So the 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 I mean, what's the challenge ahead of you? Would sometimes determine the kind of training you'll be subjected to. And if you come to that understanding that training is not easy, then it's not everything that comes your way. You you begin to think that this might be affliction because when you are trying to differentiate, oh, is this really affliction? Is this really training? Sometimes you will miss it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. Okay. Um, yes, sir. I'll take you. I'll take Romeka and then I'll go to Pastor Mrs. Um, mine is more of a clarification than a question. Would God, I know God is not a bearer of afflictions. Mm -hmm. Would he afflict you with anything whatsoever? No. Okay. So that's why we're asking the question, right? Is this an affliction from the devil that we need to pray against, right? Or is this strain? Like, how do we differentiate? But you're right. God doesn't afflict us. Yes, sir. Okay, sir. Yes, ma, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. To, to, to clarify what uh, Mr. Loki just said, Genesis chapter 37, verse 2, said this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brother. That means he wasn't staying at home. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't staying at home. He was feeding the flock. Verse 2, yeah. Was it verse 2? Okay. Yeah, verse 2. Verse 2. Verse two. They, they, please help us to project it. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Um, and technical. Genesis yeah. 37, verse 2, please. Sure. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often turned his father's flock. He walked. He walked for his half-brother, the son of his, of his father, wife, Belia, and this. So I'm, I think it's, they are doing the work together. Mm. Mm. Just to, just what uh, 
Mr. Lucky said that he was sitting at home. I don't think he was sitting at home. So he was working. He was, he working. was working. Thank yeah. you for that correction, Ma. He was working. Okay, Pastor Maker, go ahead. I'll take you and then we continue. Praise okay. Hallelujah. Pastor is also raising his hand up. So okay. when I'm done, I will give him. No problem. Okay. So I just want to add that um, the dream was a good one, but the question I want to ask every one of us here seated, who among us have not had a solid, fantastic dream of where God wants us to be in the future? That's one thing we need to think about. Joseph had that dream, but he cooperated with God. He, he was sold out to whatever God wants to do. He was fully committed. If God is taking him to the, to the prison, to the... Uh, Potiphar's house, he was ready to obey God. So if you are in, you know, if you are afflicted, find out, is God with you there? Mm. Is it the will of God? Are you, are you walking in the plan and purpose of God? Because sometimes we can actually <laughs> walk into these things and think it's God that is leading us or, you know, directing us. So mm. Joseph played a part. He obeyed and he walked in the will of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I'm going to pass the mic to um, Pastor Mrs. What do you think about that question? <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> How do we differentiate? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I just want to, in any, in any situation we find ourselves as a, children of God, we should take time out to seek the face of God. Mm. Pastor used to say something that most of us, we don't ask questions. And God said, if you don't, I remember this story, I can't, I can't, I can't remember the passage of the Bible, that these people came to, to Joshua, and they said, we came from a far country, that should sign a treaty with them. And he did. And after they find out they were just their neighbor, and they were mad, that, oh, why will you do that? Why don't God tell us? God said you didn't ask. Hmm. So what I, I'm just thinking about it, to just to differentiate, we have to go back to God. That have given the, the dream, that have allowed that situation to happen to us. We should go back to him and ask questions. Hmm. Why is this happening to me? You understand? I found that over time that a lot of things happened to me as a person. That's a training. You understand? And each time, Pastor, we say, God, if this is a test, help us to pass. Mm. You understand? So each time, we, 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 sh we should constantly, going back, we, should, we shouldn't take it as if we've had the whole picture of everything, that maybe it's part of it. It may not be. Mm. Maybe Satan is just setting us up for a distraction. So we must go back to God and ask questions. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Ma. So we must go back to God and ask questions. Now, quickly, we're going to, we're going to look at the kind of trainings that, um, that Joseph was receiving. Now, one of the things we know is that Joseph was going through this terrible situation. He had no idea what was going on, right? He got to Potiphar's house, and the account of what he was doing there tells us so much about his attitude, if you don't know what's going on, it is so easy for you in that time to be offended at God. I'm working hard. I'm doing what I should do. And yet my brothers do the work. They sold me. God, where were you? Right? But we see here that Joseph was not offended at God. He decided to have a good attitude towards whatever was going on and did not lose his trust in God, even if he probably did not make sense of what was going on. So we see here that he had what? He had a good attitude towards work, good attitude towards people. The Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of the Egyptian. So Joseph was working. So Joseph got there. Joseph started serving. Now, you know that when you have a wrong attitude towards something, people can sense it. If you're there, you're like, ah, well, you know, what is going on? And you're just sad. You, your productivity level will be very low. 
because you will be withdrawn, because you will be sad, because you will be heavy. But when you make the decision to say, well, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on, but regardless, I will do my best in this situation. It's a different attitude that you have. So when we see how productive he was, when we see the testimony of what was happening, we know that Joseph had what a very good attitude in this place. One of the training that God gives to us as we go through life is the it, it's to help us develop the right attitude in difficult situations. It's easy to be thankful and and have an attitude of thanks, thankfulness when everything is going well. But when things are rough, it is very difficult to cultivate that attitude of what? Thanksgiving. So God is intentional that he will take us through circumstances to help us build the right attitude, the right response. That the fact that things are hard does not mean that I will be gloomy all the time attitude. Number two that I can think about is submission. Genesis 39, 2-3, just as we read, submission. Joseph comes in here. He has a master and he is obedient to all that he is told to do. So he comes here and he, we see him submitted to what? Authority. He's submitted to authority. He's serving and he's being obedient, doing all that he was called to do. Number three, leadership, just like Precious said. God was training him. If you look at it, what he did in Potiphar's house is what he did in Egypt, just on a different scale. So now, think of when he was in Potiphar's house, what are some of the leadership qualities that God would have been teaching him there? He would have to learn how to work with people. So the Bible says that Potiphar had other slaves. He had the big household. He had properties. If you are put in charge, it means you have to learn how to talk to people. Now, remember, this boy is Hebrew. He doesn't belong to the land. So he's different. He's also maybe one of the newer slaves that just came. And then they put you in charge. How do you talk to other people in a way that you can make them do what they need to do and you can still be efficient? We, we also see that he would have to learn communication skills. Maybe the way they talk to people in, back in his country is not the way you talk to people here in what's Egypt. So he has to learn how to do what, how to communicate. He has to learn how to do what, how to relate to what, how to relate to people. Delegation of duties. When you have responsibility, Joseph would also have to learn that how would he delegate his tax to other people. Now, I want to read um, verse, verse, I think verse 6. When the Bible says that, they gave everything to him, and he had absolutely nothing to worry about. That means Joseph took this thing personally. He took responsibility of this man's house to the point where, do you know what it means for you to, to um, assign someone a tax and just let it be and you're not worried about it? Is that you are confident in their ability. That person has proved to you that they can. So he took ownership of it. So you couldn't have differentiated whether this was his own or not. He, he took it personal. He took ownership of it. And there's a difference how we work when we take ownership of something. Whether it's in church, whether it's at work, there's a difference with there's a difference when you're doing something just for the money and when you're doing something because you want to give your best at it. Joseph was not being paid, but he was given his hundred percent to the extent where they could commit the whole house to him. That's taking responsibility. And then it, bet, it acts, helps us to think into our own lives. Is the things that God has committed to us, do we take ownership of them? Are we, do we take full responsibility like it is your own? Or do we just do it, you know, however? Just, you know, give my best whenever. So Joseph took responsibility. And then I believe that one of the things that Joseph would have learned when he was in Potiphar's house is creating solutions. So there's no how you'll be in a leadership role where you will not face challenges, right? 
you will be faced with certain situations that would be challenging. Because when he comes before Pharaoh, we see something that has been cultivated. He doesn't just give the interpretation of the dream. He gives what he prefers what a solution, which means that's something he has learned to do. That when he came into Potiphar's house, that he has understood that I don't just identify the challenges, but I learned to prefer what solutions. I learned to prefer solutions to it. So he was trained with leadership skill. What other skills do we think that Joseph acquired in Potiphar's house? Quickly, I'll take two people. What other skills do we think he acquired in Potiphar's house? Yes, ma'am. He was disciplined. He was disciplined. That was why he was able to overcome temptations. That was why, thank you so much. He was disciplined. That was why he was able to overcome temptation. Yes, sir. I think I will say uh, loyalty. Loyalty? Okay, how, how, how's that? Loyalty, basically, um, before delegating everything in Potiphar's house to, mm -hmm. uh, to Joseph, uh, Potiphar must have seen something in him which possibly uh, made him to surrender everything. And when he was tested, that is uh, when uh, Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph to sleep with him, that is where the issue of loyalty came in. If he wasn't loyal to Potiphar mm -hmm. and indirectly loyal to God, something else would have happened at that particular point. So mm -hmm. I feel loyalty is a key thing we need to look at because in every relationship, yeah. There is a tendency that loyalty will always be tested. Mm. And that is why I think loyalty is also a key thing. Thank you so much. So he learned discipline, he learned loyalty. Yes, sir. Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So using time mind to his explanation, I would um, say accountability and um, integrity. Integrity? Okay. Tested, yes. For using his explanation. Okay. Thank you. Integrity. Um, okay, I'll take first. I'll come to you, sir. Yes, sir. So I'm, I'm not responding to this question, but I just want to add something based on the previous question that Pastor Mrs. asked. Um, if you look at the book of Jeremiah chapter 16, and not just Jeremiah 16, God can actually afflict us if we disobey him. I just want to bring that out. If we disobey him, he can afflict us. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love us, but he's using that to draw us closer. Look at Jeremiah look at Hosea, look at the book of Daniel, what happened? They were all taken into captivity. They were all afflicted. And in that pain, some of them cried out. If you look at Nehemiah, the same thing happened. They had to cry out. So God sometimes can do that just to bring us back to him. So I just want to add that so we get everything, you know, correct. Um... Okay, um, we're going to talk about that later, but I'm of a different opinion. I'm of a different school of thought. I know that there are, set, there are times where if we do, say, for example, disobedience, right, or we break, there are certain times where when you break a law, you're not, you're not obedient. You, we will suffer the consequence of our disobedience. It's not that God, God doesn't have to punish you. Do you understand? It's that the, the natural consequences for that action will bring that affliction. And then it doesn't mean that God is bringing it, right? But I don't, I don't think that God would intentionally afflict, um, afflict us. Um, okay, Pastor Femi, and then would... would um... Sorry, sir, I'm coming to you. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. Can we just quickly, so that we don't take the scripture out of context, can we read Jeremiah chapter 16? Jeremiah chapter 16. Okay. Verse 1. Verse just, 1? Yeah, from okay. verse 1, quickly. If, um, okay, technical, can you help us project? Jeremiah us. 16, verse 1. Yes, let, let's start from verse 1. Mm -hmm. The Lord gave me another message. He said, do not get married or have children in this place. Let's continue. For this is what the Lord says about the children born here in this city and about their mothers and fathers. Verse 4. They will die from terrible diseases. No one will mourn them or bury them. And they will lie scattered on the ground like manure. They will die from war and famine. And their bodies will 
be food for the vultures and wild animals. Verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Do not go to funerals to mourn and show sympathy for these people. For I have removed my protection and peace from them. I have taken away my unfailing love and mercy. Verse 6. Both the great and the lowly will die in this land. No one will bury them or mourn them. Their friends will not cut themselves in sorrow or shake their heads in sadness. Verse 7. No one will offer a meal to comfort those who mourn at the dead. At the dead, not even at the dead of a mother or father, no one will send up a cup of wine to console them. Verse 8. And do not go to the feast and parties. Do not eat and drink with them at all. Verse 9. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. In your own lifetime before your very eyes, I will put an end to the happy singing and laughter in this land. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will no longer be heard. Verse 10. When you tell the people all these things, they will ask, Why has the Lord decreed such terrible things against us? What have we done to deserve such treatment? What is our sin against the Lord our God? Verse 11. Then you will give them the Lord's reply. It is because your ancestors were unfaithful to me. They worshipped other gods and served them. They abandoned me and did not obey my word. Verse 12. And you are even worse than your ancestors. You stubbornly follow your own evil desires and refuse to listen to me. Verse 13. So I will throw you out of this land and send you into a foreign land where you and your ancestors have never been. There you can worship idols day and night. I will grant you no favors. Verse 14. But the time is coming, says the Lord, when people who are taking an oath will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt? Verse 15, and I'll stop there. Instead, they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the people of Israel back to their own land? from the land of the north, and from all the countries to which he had exiled them. For I will bring them back to this land that I gave their ancestors. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Okay, so we're going to go back to our study. That, that says it. <laughs> we're going to go back to the study. Is that there's this reason why that was happening, right? Like Pastor Femi read. There's a reason why that was happening. You depart from God, there are consequences to your actions. Okay, back to the study. What did Joseph learn in the house of Potiphar? Um, I think he, he graduated from just having dreams and being able to interpret dreams. Okay. And the series of dreams that he interpreted was what brought him back to the government. So he sharpened his skills. He sharpened his skills. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. I would say, oh, sorry. I would say contentment okay. because he was in charge of everything, just like the Bible said, but he was still able to, like, just like others have said, discipline himself and not put himself at the same level as his boss mm -hmm. and be content with what he has. Mm. So that's one of the things I would say probably helped him when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Thank you so much. Contentment. Yes, ma'am. Right here. I think he also cultivated um, a good relationship with God. A good relationship with God. Okay. It was visibly evident, even to Potiphar, mm -hmm. that God was with him. Thank you so much. It was evidence that God was with him. Amen. Thank you so much. Now, here in, in I think it was in verse 3, the Bible says that Potiphar noticed that... Um, God was with him because he saw that things have increased. One thing that strikes me from that verse is that Potiphar in his house had systems where he measured productivity, right? So there, how do you know? He, he could tell that something had increased, and he could tie that increase to who? Joseph. That since this guy came, my livestock 
the production has increased. So you see that one of the things that Joseph learned in Potiphar's house is systems, administration. The guy had a system in place. He could measure progress. Now let's look at Genesis, um, Genesis 30. One second, I'm gonna find it. Genesis 41, verse 39. Genesis 41, verse 49. Genesis 41, verse 49. He said, so this is after Joseph had, okay, thank you. So after Joseph had been given the task to go um, by Pharaoh, the Bible says that he piled up huge amount of grades like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping record. That's where I was going to. So there's something he learned from who? Potiphar's house. He had administrative systems. So even when he came and became ruler over, over Egypt, he had records. It was so much until they had to do what? Stop keeping records. So we see here that the administrative skills that he acquired, that he used in Egypt, he gained in the house of what? Potiphar. Another thing that came to my mind is when we look at jo um, Genesis 43 verse 32, is that Joseph, when he was in Potiphar's house, got an understanding of the Egyptian culture. You can't rule a people that you're not aware about right? So he came to understand their culture. Now let's read that verse. Genesis 43 verse 42 says, then the waiter served Joseph. So this was when his brothers came to visit him. The waiter served Joseph at his own table and the brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table because Egyptians despised Hebrews and refused to eat with them. He understood the culture that these people don't eat with Hebrew people. However, he was not he was not offended by that because what he knew that was their what their practice. So we see here that he was so integrated into the system, he knew their culture. The other thing that I learned from this verse is that they despised the Hebrew people. The fact that Joseph was in a land where he was despised did not hinder him from succeeding so we can be in a place where people your first impression people's first impression about you may not be good but that shouldn't hinder us from being all that God has called us to be amen so Joseph had to understand the operating system in Egypt. Now, just like um, Mr. Lockie had said, every training is tailor-made. God doesn't train all of us the same way. He trains, the, the, the training that Joseph went through was different from the training that David went through. Why? Because their destinations were different. Joseph never had to fight a war. Jo J David had to do what? Kill Goliath. David was being trained to be king, and kings will go towards war. So part of David's training included what? Warfare. He had to learn to fight. Joseph was being trained to be an administrator. He had nothing to do with warfare. So this is why one of the reasons is that we can't compare our lives with others because we're not headed in the same direction. Your training would be different from mine because your destination is what different from mine. So it's important that we pay attention to that. Now phase two, I termed the training he received in Potiphar's house to me as phase one, external training. You're gaining skills on the outside. To me, the training that he got in the prison had so much to do with his internal posture. So in the prison, we see that Joseph goes there and he continues to serve. Think about that. He came into Potiphar's house. He gave his best, rose to the highest, and then he was betrayed. And then he goes to prison. Now, if it were you, think about it. You were sold into slavery. You came and decided, okay, I'll keep a good attitude. Then you kept a good attitude. You were doing well. You saw that God was with you. At least things were beginning to 
look better even if you were still asleep then you were betrayed and you went to prison if you were in prison won't you just withdraw and mind your business which is what sometimes we do right if we're serving in church you hear people say that i've been so hurt in church that i don't want to do what i don't want to serve anymore because of their experiences that they have heard so there is a tendency for us that when we've been hurt we will do what withdraw but here joseph continues to do what to serve and then, of course, he's promoted again, and he's put in charge. But there are certain things that I believe that God had to deal with when he was in prison. Now, in prison, one thing you have is time. You have a lot of time because you're in prison. Even if there are one or two chores to do, you'll have a lot of time. Joseph was not too busy, I believe, when he was in prison. So he'll have a lot of time to do or to reflect. Now, if he had forgiven his brothers before, imagine the thoughts that will come back when he's in prison. Ah, you know, maybe at least in Potiphar's house, things were beginning to look good. At least he was working. He was being productive. Now he landed in prison. That thought will just come back. What did I do to these boys? Why? Why, why, why? And then you will now be asking yourself question, what, what, why is my life like this? Why am I not moving forward? Doesn't that look like what he'll be having, the conversation he'll be thinking about? My mates are doing other things. I am in what? Prison. Lord, why? All he wanted was to get out of that place because to him at that time, it just did not make what sense to him. It didn't make any sense to him. But yet Joseph was there and he was still serving. So I think here, Joseph truly had to learn forgiveness because I think he would have really thought about what his brothers did and had to come to a place where he would truly let go and say, Lord, I'm not sure why this happened, but he had to learn forgiveness. The other thing he had to learn was service. I was thinking about this. Joseph had two dreams. His dreams have not come to pass. Nobody is bowing down to him. In fact, he's in prison. The exact opposite of what he's dreaming about. And then he's in prison and he meets these prisoners. And then he talks to them and they say, well, we had a dream and this is what's going on. Now, if it were me, the first thing that would come to my mind is, should I interpret these people's dream? Because the last dream I interpreted has not come to pass. Should I really do this? Am I really sure that it was God that gave me that interpretation the first time? Because I haven't seen the word manifestation. So then Joseph is left with a choice. Should I trust the anointing and the grace of God upon my life, irrespective of the fact that I've not seen it working in my life? Or should I just wait till it works and just base all of that based on my experience? Now, it's a very difficult thing and it's a very difficult place to be where you know the truth of the word of God, but you haven't seen it, but yet you have to serve others in that capacity. But Joseph makes a choice to say, well, I may not have seen it, but I will not doubt the fact that the interpretation of dreams comes from God. I won't doubt that he has placed this grace upon my life. I will still use this gift to serve other people, even though I haven't seen it work in my own life. The Bible says man will not live by bread words alone, but by the word of God. So there will be seasons in our life where what you are saying is not yet manifest in your own life. But you know that, well, as long as it is God's word, whether I've seen it in my life or not, it doesn't really matter. As long as it's the word of God, it is true. It is good and it's easier when you've seen it in your life and you can tell people, this is my testimony. But how do you preach it when you don't have a testimony? So in that place, I believe that Joseph had to come into that place where he received this grace, accepted this anointing, accepted this gift and said, this is what God has given to me. Even though I haven't seen it work, I believe that this is of God and I will continue to use it to serve other people. How do I know he came into that? When he stands before Pharaoh, he was in no doubt about the interpretation of the, the, the dream. He said, God will give you an answer, Pharaoh. And he gave the interpretation, confident of the fact that that's exactly what God said. So he would have been trained to come into that. 
So today I want you to think about it. What is the gift? What is that thing that God has given to you? That maybe, or the word that God has given to you, that maybe because you haven't seen the results or he hasn't worked in your life yet, you're not using it to serve other people. So God is calling us to serve. Another thing I believe that Joseph had to learn in prison was surrender. I am sure, in fact, he had a dream. He had a dream and people were bowing to him. In that dream, he was above. In this reality, he was what? Not above. So Joseph had to get to a point where he surrendered and said, Lord, I am not sure what's going on, but I will trust you. Do you know how difficult that is? It's easier to teach and talk about it than in reality. That God is, will call us to a place as he takes us through training where he will say, let go of your ambition. That great dream you have for yourself, let it go. And he calls us to die to ourselves, to die to our dreams, to die to all of those things that we want to be and to surrender to him. Somebody said it's only dead men that carry God. Paul says, I die daily. So each day I have to learn to let go of what I want and ask him for what he wants. It is a difficult place to be when you have to let go, to surrender and trust God, especially when you're there. But I truly believe that one of the things he learned in prison was absolute surrender to God. Absolute surrender to God. Wait. His life didn't make meaning to him anymore. He didn't know what was going to be the outcome. And he's like, in this place, he probably got to the point where he was like, you know what? Whatever happens is what? It's fine. I'll just trust God. Now we see that Joseph was at, there was a time when he interpreted the dream for the butler. And he said to him, he said, when you get to Pharaoh, what? Remember me. Joseph also had to come to a point that he had realized that if anything will happen, God had to do it. Why did I say so? If anything will happen in my life, he has so surrendered that he knew that it's only God that could have done it. Joseph comes before Pharaoh. He's interpreting the dream. This is the Pharaoh he was telling somebody else, when you stand before him, talk to him about me. Now he comes before Pharaoh, interprets the dream, and he doesn't mention the fact that he needs freedom. Why? He doesn't mention the fact that, listen, oh, I was wrongfully accused and all of that. He comes before Pharaoh, doesn't talk about himself, serves the man, gives him the solution, and he was even ready to walk away. Because he had surrendered. And he knew that, I don't know what will happen, how it will happen, but I'll trust God with this. Absolute surrender. That's one of the things that he learned. And part of that... One of the things that stood out for me even in that story is that God is the one that lifts. And if we try to do it in our effort, we will only abort that process. So sometimes God will allow our efforts to fail so we can let go and allow him to do it. There, if, if Joseph had gotten out of prison before he did, he would not have been there to interpret the dream. He would, just, he would have just been free. But God made sure that his plan did not work. Not because the butler was bad. The butler was still the one that remembered him. But God made the butler remember him at the right time. So when it is a season, when now that God has brought us into a season of lifting, it is important for us to know that this thing will not come by our effort. That it is God that would orchestrate the events that would lift us up. It will not be by our own effort. And finally, in the palace, we know that Joseph gets to Pharaoh. He interprets the dream, and then he tells Pharaoh, he tells Pharaoh to find a man that would be able to administer this. He gives him a solution, and he says, find the man to do this. And Pharaoh says, who can we find? You are the wise man, you're the intelligent person take over it and do it. And we see that Joseph had gone through the training. He has passed the classes and he is now what positioned in the palace. One quick question for us. Is it possible to abort your training season? How can you abort it? Sorry? Inpatience? Okay. How can you abort your training season? Could Joseph has, have aborted his season? Yeah? 
How? What could he have done that he would have just been out of sync? He could have what? Run away to where? Like, just away from Potiphar's house, right? When he had freedom. Yeah, he could have run away. He could have slept with Potiphar's wife and could forever be the top, top um, slave. That, that's an option. Yes? Okay. Yes, precious. He could have been angry. He could have been angry. Anger was one thing that would have hindered him. He could have been angry. Yes. <laughs> he could have prayed it away. Imagine that Lord just gets me out of this, this prison. Don't we just thank God for some prayers that he doesn't answer? Just imagine Joseph praying, you know. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say he could have um, had mental breakdown. If it was in our day, we would say, oh, mental stress. Listen, I believe he probably even did, man. He went through a lot. He probably had those moments. <laughs> he would have had a mental, he could have had a mental breakdown. Hallelujah. I want to read um, Genesis 45. And I'm going to read, I'll wrap up with this. Genesis 45, I'll read from verse 4. This is Joseph saying, he said, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years would last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now, one thing that I wanted to note here is that when God lifts us up, it's for a purpose. Joseph said he sent me ahead to do what? To preserve people. God doesn't just lift you as a just to, to prove to your enemies, right, that this is it. No. God will always lift us for a purpose. And that purpose serves his kingdom. That purpose serves his people. So he was sent as a preserver. He was sent for a purpose, and he understood the purpose. So he knew that it wasn't about him. He knew that it wasn't, yes, it made sense actually to look back and see the meaning, give meaning to his journey, and I'm sure he would have been thankful. It was now easy to let go because God had restored him and restored all of the years that, were, that he thought were lost. God had restored him and had lifted him. Now, if Joseph were to interpret his dream or the way he would have thought about him. I'm sure he, Egypt was not part of it. When he saw that dream and everybody bowing to him, maybe he thought he would be, you know, the best of the Katureras amongst his brothers, you know, he'll be like the highest of all of them, right? Or he'll, he'll, he, he wouldn't have imagined Egypt in the picture. But God had something greater that I'm sending you not just to preserve the nation of Israel, but even Egypt was preserved by one man. So it's important. It tells us that the training you're going through is not just for you. There is a generation dependent on you passing your test. There's a generation dependent on you passing that training successfully. So when God lifts us, God would always lift us for a purpose and is it, it's important that we we understand we understand that purpose it's important that we understand that when we get there we serve the purpose for which he is what lifting us hallelujah do we have any questions quickly any questions no hands amen amen now, just like the first question that was asked, I believe that it is important 
for us to understand the seasons that we're in so that we can learn to respond correctly. So one of the ways as we've identified to understand your season is to ask questions so that you know where you're at, so that it is easier for you to respond what correctly. If you know that this is God training you, at least you can begin to ask, okay, Lord, help me pass the test. What are the lessons? It's a different posture than you, we, we are fighting against the process that we're going through. Amen. So it's important that we understand what season are you in. As a church, I believe that there are some people who have gone through training and God is bringing us into a season of positioning, a season of what? Lifting. Hallelujah. So it's important that we pay attention to the seasons of our life so that we can respond correctly. So in the absence of any questions, I'm going to have us just rise to our feet and quickly we're going to pray. And I want you to pray and ask God that, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding to understand my season. Maybe not everyone is in the season in the same season, but Lord, help me to understand the season that I am in so that I can respond clearly. Father, Lord, whatever adjustments that I need to make, whatever lessons I need to learn today so that I can step into the season of positioning, the season of lifting, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help me, help me to make those adjustments. For some of us, we need to learn to surrender to God absolutely. For some of us, we need to stop trying to get the lifting by ourselves. To, we need to give up our, on our effort and say, Father, take control. Take control. Absolute surrender. Absolute surrender. Father, whatever adjustments I need to make, whatever lessons I need to learn in order for me to be lifted, I pray that you would help me. Pastor would always lead us to pray, Lord, prepare me for that which you have prepared for me. Whatever is left in my preparation, whatever is left, Lord, help me. Lord, help me that I will not miss out. Help me not to abort my seasons. Let me not miss out on the lifting you're bringing. Help me not to abort it. If I have to wait two more days, Lord, help me. Help me. We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org. You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at RCCGPPPSK, on Instagram and Twitter at RCCGPPP. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N, 1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.